Well, you came here on a good Sunday. I'm passionate about what I'm talking about today. And uh, there's certain sermons that a preacher preaches that he must go through because the Lord is leading him. And, and it's like not a not like a horrible thing, but it's like you're not looking forward to it. But there's something about what I'm talking about today that could radically alter our lives and change our lives. And, and, and I pray that God would that I would get out of the way and that you guys would hear a word from God, not a word from Pastor Joel. And, uh, but as we begin this, I would uh, just, if, just dream for a minute or even plan for the, the remainder of your lives. But if you could choose a one word goal for your life, just one word, what would you say above all the other words that you could be about? Who, what would you, what one word would represent your character? What one word would represent your nature, who, what you, what you stand for, who you stand for, what you really are. If you, you know, if you could, in your mind, imagine that people are standing by your grave years in the future. We don't control the, the future, but they're standing by your grave and they were to talk about you. And if they were only to give in one word about you, what would you say? What would you want them to remember you for? And so, I kind of randomly asked some people that I, I know. Um, I won't say if they're Christian or not. I just kind of randomly chose people I know. And I asked them that question. Like, and I said, there's no right or wrong answer because each one of us are different. We're wired different and, and, uh, their backgrounds are some of all our backgrounds are a lot different. But the three words that were kept repeating over and over and over was, uh, successful, influential, and happy. And I look at successful, and I've struggled with this word my entire adult life, and my entire Christian life, and my entire life as a pastor slash when I was in when I was in college, I was a youth pastor. I I try to define what success really is, and I've had I've had wonderful wonderful people help me define success in God's eyes rather than man's eyes, and I, over time I've still really wrestled with it. Influential. Especially when I was first in college and I had this idea that I wanted to impact a generation for Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, I, we'd have a youth group and I thought, man, I have these wonderful, powerful words I'm going to speak. And they said, Hey, when's, can we have the pizza right now? You know, that's what they would be worried about. And, uh, I, I look back 20 years later, 20 plus years later, and, uh, wow, it's been over 20 years since that, that, those moments. But, um, I look at some of them, those, those teenagers and, and for sure God did something major and I was influential, but I think, I think I, I really wrestle over these things. And a lot of people said happy and I don't blame them because how many of us, let's, let's, this is not a trick question. This is not a, if you say the wrong thing, you're going to hell. How many of us want to be happy? This is not a trick question. Yeah. Some of us are like, I'm a Christian. Christians aren't happy, right? And I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? Yes, of course you want to be happy, right? You know, you have this sense of happiness to you. You go, well, it's joy. Okay, I got you. But a lot of people, they don't say joy. A lot of people don't say, hey, how are you feeling today? I feel joyful today. Like Christians say that, but non-Christians usually don't. They say happy. But so there's nothing really wrong with these words. But if, you know, if I, if you could sum up your life, in one word, and someone came up to my grave later on in life, and they said, Joel was successful. What would that even mean, right? Or he was influential. 
Well, what would that even mean? Or, man, Joel was just a happy-go-lucky guy. I, I remember I heard, I don't remember who it was, but someone said there was this guy that, for, he lived in Kamei for, for decades and decades and decades. When he went home to be with the Lord, people asked him how he was remembered. And I, I, I read it in the newspaper. I cannot remember who it was. This is years ago, but it was in his obituary. They remember him walking down the street to the post office, whistling and happy as could be. You know, and I'm like, wow. Like, that's a good thing to be remembered for, but I mean, is people going to remember me for that? Or do they think, man, he was the most grumpiest of people of all, right? But there's nothing wrong with that, but I really believe that in my, in God's eyes, there is one word that stands above even success, influence, or happiness. Does God want us to be successful? I think so. We have to define it. Does he want us to be influential? Well, of course, but we have to even define that. Or happiness, we have to define that. There are some days that I just am not happy. Can I, can I get an amen, right? Anybody not agreeing with that, but I mean, you're not happy either, right? You're like, yes, that's Joel. I, you're like, but there are some days I do feel happy. Okay, give me a good cup of coffee and I'll feel really good about myself. Um, no, every one of us that are in Christ, you're going to stand, you're going to die one day and you're going to stand in front of God as judge, and he's not going to say, well done, good and successful servant. And I look at that and I go, thank you, Lord, that I don't have to no longer hang on to what man says success really is. Well done, good and influential individual. You were influenced so many people for Christ because I can wrestle over that. How many people am I influencing for Christ? How many times am I really successful? Am I successful as a Christian? Am I successful as a pastor? Okay, or well done, good and happy person, right? Um, I want to be all those things, but when I stand in front of God as judge, he will never, ever, ever, ever say those things. That Wow, I'm so glad that you were so happy. Wow, I'm so glad that you were influential. Wow, I'm so glad that you were successful. Because even Jesus said, you can gain the whole world, but you can forfeit your very soul. So I don't want to be successful in the wrong things, if I'm going to be successful, influential, and happy, I want to do that in the right, in the right areas. No, Jesus, when he, when we all go to heaven, he wants to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, I've been wrestling over this for like months, this, this, this idea, because I, as I was planning this year, I kind of imagined my, my, um, my communication with God in heaven, the very first thing I talk with him about. And, would I be satisfied if he said, well, and well done and good and faithful servant? And I've really put some thought into it. And, and I am so glad that God doesn't view success as we often do. That you can be successful in God's eyes and the world will look at you and go, well, what have you really accomplished? They'll look at lists of things that you could have accomplished, but you say, this is what I accomplished. This is what God had me do. And it's, if you're, if you are faithful to who he is, if you're faithful to who he has called you to be and what he has called you to do, then that's all that really matters. When I get to heaven, that's definitely what you want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe that will fall to our faces and I think he'll pick us up and he'll, he'll say that those very words. But um, if there is one word that I believe that we could strive towards is faithfulness faithfulness to God. And we'll talk about that today. That's what we're talking about today, what that really means to be faithful to God. Um, faithfulness gets, it, there, we, could, we could 
say, oh, this is my definition of it. But Jesus, when he talked about faithfulness, he changed it. We'll get to that in just a moment. So today's uh, message is titled, One Word That Will Change Your Life. I believe if we all are faithful according to what Jesus said it really is, what does it mean to be faithful? He, he will talk about it in three different ways today. They talked about faithfulness, that it will all radically alter your life, and it will radically alter someone else's life. You'll see why in just a moment. But we're in a series. We're almost done with the series. If you have the internet, some people don't, you know, they don't, they don't look at YouTube or Facebook or whatever, Twitter. That's fine. But if you want to catch up on this, on the series later on, you can go to YouTube and just look up Joel Bremer and I'm the first one on there. There's a few Joel Bremers on YouTube for some reason. They're trying to copy me or something, trying to steal my name, but no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you will find that the series that we're doing is very, it can be, life altering because and it's challenging i look at these things and i go man there's some things i need to do and more than more than that i need to abide in christ and these are the fruit that will show up and we talked about that and so one thing we said is that the quality of our decisions will determine the quality of our life barring all the looking at all the outside influences that come to our in our way that we cannot control health issues financial woes sometimes it just things happen okay Things happen from, we're talking about in this series, the things that we can control. Okay, if someone makes me mad, for example, if I'm at home, and this doesn't happen to anyone in in anyone's life, but someone makes you upset, right? That doesn't happen to you, right? Now, how do you react to those things that when someone makes you upset? Do you always go, oh, it's okay, I love you, sweetie. Or do you go, what? You just kind of explode a little bit, okay? We can control how we react and respond to other people. That's just an example, okay? No one forces me to respond specific direction. I have the, I, I have that choice in my life. So I, we pre-decide six things and we've talked about that this series. Like we said this, when I'm faced with blank, I have pre-decided to blank. In other words, when I'm faced with some situation in my life that's not easy, I've already determined in my heart that this is how I'm going to react. This is how I'm going to live. This is what my life's about. In fact, I wrote this down. When I'm faced with situations where I want to give up, how many of us have ever wanted to throw in the the towel? You know, that's a boxing term, but you know, you ever want to throw in the towel again, life or different situations? You're like, I'm done. Uh, It's easier to be done than to keep going, right? Why am I spending, why am I in this rut? Why am I spinning my wheels and I'm not going anywhere? I feel like I'm running a marathon, but I'm on this, I'm on this like horrible thing that it just keeps going, but I'm not going anywhere, right? And I just want to give up. When I am faced with those situations where I want to give up, I have pre-decided I'm going to not give up and I'm going to be faithful. Okay. When I'm faced with situations where I think that I am not being successful in, in the world's eyes, like what I think I should be successful in, I'm, have pre-decided Already in my mind, I'm going to be faithful to God. If I only have one life to live, if I'm going to die someday, could be tomorrow, could be today, could be in 20 years. I have no idea, okay? But if I'm going to die someday, and if I want my life to mean something, and I want people to not to remember the things I've done, but who I represented, I represented Jesus, and who I lived for, I want to be able to say, and people to say, you know what? He might not have been successful in the world's eyes, but he for sure was faithful to God. And he's faithful to what God called him to. That's what I want my life to be. We've looked at, we're looking at six predecisions, and it's kind of a weird graphic. It's hard to read some of them, but we have 
we have got, we're almost done on this little circle here. And it says, I am ready. And you're like, what does that even mean? You got to look at YouTube. That's a shameless little plug, but I'll do it once in a while. I am ready. I am consistent. I am devoted. I am generous. I am faithful. And next week, I am a finisher. Okay, that's kind of, it's kind of tied with what we're talking about today, that we're not willing to give up that easy, that you got to have thick skin. you got to have a strong back because people are going to want to you to give up. The devil wants you to give up in everything. And you're going to, I refuse to give up. I'm going to be a finisher. And so today we're looking at faithfulness. Say, I am faithful. I am faithful. Faithfulness to God and faithfulness to each other and faithfulness to uh, whatever God's called you to, it is a decision. It doesn't just happen on accident. For example, if I want to remain faithful to my wife for the rest of my marriage, to the rest of my life, I have to make some decisions right now. It doesn't happen by accident, okay? It doesn't just happen by accident. But um, the reason why we're pre-deciding it is faithfulness for the rest of your life to God is never done accidentally. None of these are. You can't be ready on accident, you know? Like, for example, you, you, you were ready on time for church, maybe, and you were dressed and stuff like that, and maybe you had to warm up the car, Um you didn't just go, you know what? My car was already started and I was already dressed and I, I, we, we showed up on time. You don't do it by accident. You make decisions. Man, if I have to be church on time, I better get ready right now. Two minutes right before the service starts, right? You're like, oh, I got to hurry up. But it's a decision. None of these are accidental. You can't be faithful to God on accident. It's impossible. You gotta cons- and if you're not going to, if you're gonna be faithful to God the rest of your life, day in, day out, rainy day, sunny day, good day, bad day, you're not arguing with anybody, or you just argue with people in in the store, and you're embarrassed about yourself, and you're all this and that and that, blah, 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 you know. And and uh, if you want to be faithful, no matter what, you gotta make the decision, and I gotta make the decision right now, Lord. No matter what happens in my life, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be faithful to what you called me to be. I'm not letting the world dictate who I am or what success means or influence means or happiness means. I am going to let God determine what that really means. So we're talking about faithfulness. See, being consistently faithful is not easy. You're going to want to throw in the towel. I, I can't think of a, maybe, I'll say once a month, once a month where I think of something that's easy, it would be easier to just give up, to throw in the towel, just be done, you know? Go live on the beach somewhere where it's sunny and I just can, whatever, I'll just work in a coffee shop or something, uh, something that will make, won't make a lot, but at least I could pretend to be happy. It'd be easier. And then the Lord looks at me and goes, Joel, really? And I go, no, I want to be faithful to God. I want to be the faith. I want to be faithful to the people that God has entrusted me with. I want to be faithful to everything that God has put in my life. I want to keep going. I want to be also a finisher. I want to be ready. I want to be consistent. So let's look at one verse of the Bible for for a moment. It's Habakkuk two four. Good luck finding it. There's a table of contents. Years ago, I preached the entire book of Habakkuk. It wasn't that long. Um, it's a great. Great little gem of the Old Testament, by the way, Habakkuk. How many of us have read Habakkuk in the last year? Some of us have, you biblical scholars, you. 
I don't think it, I think it's been a while since I read Habakkuk and we're reading the Bible as a family. It's going to be a while till we get there, Lid, okay? We're in Exodus right now. We just finished Job. Uh, that's a difficult one to read, but it was worth it. And, uh, but Habakkuk 2 4, again, Habakkuk is a great little gem of an Old Testament book and it doesn't get any airtime. Trust me. <laughs> but Habakkuk 2 4, he says, he's, he's comparing two types of people. Look at the proud. Okay. When the Old Testament is talking about proud, it's talking about a non-believer, someone that is not, doesn't believe in God. Okay. They're outsiders. So look at the proud. They trust in themselves. In other words, they don't trust in God. They trust that they trust in the world's idea of success, influence, happiness. And look, their lives are what? Crooked. So I don't care how straight their lives look from the outside. According to God, if they're living for themselves and they trust in man's ways, their lives are way out of sync. They're, they're just way off. They're way off base. But the righteous... Who are the righteous? You are. I don't feel like righteous. Who, whose righteousness are you wearing? Clothe yourself with whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. Those who are righteous, they will live by their faithfulness to God. In other words, you're going to remain faithful no, one, no matter how uh, bad the world is. No matter how bad your situation is, you're going to remain faithful in and out and, and, and a, a stormy day or a beautiful day, no matter how how you feel, faithfulness to God is a is a is a decision that you make day in, day out, over and over and over. And you're gonna take that little white towel that you that little surrender flag, and you're gonna get rid of it, burn it, because you don't want to do that. You want to you want to be faithful to God, to the end. And the reason is, look how faithful God is to us. There have been moments in my, my walk with God where I felt the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, and I made horrible decisions. And if you're human, you made bad decisions with your relationship with God too, right? I mean, I have. And every single time that I've done that, when I, in my spirit, turn towards God, he's right there next to me. He hasn't even left me. He will never leave me or forsake me. No matter how bad I feel, he will never leave me. So how do we, what does it mean to be faithful? How does that look like in a real life situation? Well, oftentimes it, I think of, well, how am I faithful? Well, I'll never cheat on my spouse. I'll never cheat on my taxes. I'm just going to be a good person. When I'm at the grocery store and I see someone struggling with their groceries, I'm going to help them right? And when I was a kid, my mom would be at the store and they'd say, it's usually this, this short little 90-year-old uh, lady, she's all walking with her grocery bags like this, and my mom would be like, help her out, you know? And so I learned that from a young age, that, that part of being a faithful uh, son is doing what my mom said and helping people out. And I'd be like, here, let me help you. And she goes, I did that one time. She goes, I can do it myself. I'm like, oh, okay, whoa, okay. You know, so, <laughs> but most of the time they're like, oh, thank you, sweetie. You're such a, here, have a little candy, right? Have a little treat. I have, the grandmas to me when I was younger always had candy in their pockets. Anybody else's grandma when you were a kid? They always had 70-year-old candy, right? I don't know how old it was, but my, my grandma always did. But, um, and all that's true. Faithfulness, if I want to be faithful, 
you know, means I don't ever cheat on my spouse. I, you know, I take Jesus at his word. To give to Caesar what Caesar is, give to God what's God's. And I'm going to be a good person. Fine. But when Jesus, I was looking at for the last few weeks what Jesus said about faithfulness. And he, looked, he took a different approach. In fact, um, when Jesus mentioned the word faithfulness or to be faithful in something, he always and only mentioned three separate things in life when it comes to faithfulness. And each one of this, I love these, because each one of this means ultimately when you're doing these things, you're being faithful to God. Okay. For example, faithfulness in how you treat other people. Okay. Faithful in stewarding the resources that God has given you correctly and biblically and, and very, very wise. Not just money, but your time, your talents, your treasure. And not only that, but faithful in how I'm going to respond to God. So three areas. Faithfulness in how I treat other people. That's faithfulness to God. Faithful in stewarding the resources that God has given me. And faithfulness in how I respond to God's call. Those three areas. And so we ha- if we want to do that, if we want to be faithful, we have to predecide three things. And I love these things. This is, this is like a, this is like a, um, especially the first one. It is a, it's a passion of mine to, in my life, to be a better representative of Jesus Christ in everyone's life from now until death. Okay, so these three things, like every interaction, we'll talk about each one of these individually in just a moment. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. I, I love that. Okay? Because I've seen, I, I, I've, I've had a compulsion by God to sit, to talk to someone. I said, God, I don't really want to talk to that, you know, but I will, I'll talk to them and it's like they're, it's like their lives have been changed simply by a conversation or a smile, or an encouragement, or building them up. But I, if I'm going to be faithful to God, I have to see every interaction as an opportunity to add value into people's lives. And the second thing we'll talk about is every single resource is an opportunity to multiply. When I want to invest in the kingdom of God, and I'm talking about real, I'm talking about not just financially, but my time, my talent, my resources, everything about me, I want to, I want to invest in God's kingdom We'll talk about that in a moment. And then last, every prompting in my life that comes my way is an opportunity to obey God. I can't tell you the last day where I was somewhere outside of my home where God, or even in my home, where God didn't prompt me somewhere. Doesn't, doesn't mean I'm always obedient. Okay? How many of us have ever had a prompting from the Spirit and you said, no, I'm not, I don't think so, not today? Yeah. But I cannot remember the last day where I did not feel at least one prompting when I went, ah, Lord, come on, man, right? <laughs> like, really? But these three areas are the three areas that we want to predecide if we want to be faithful to God. And so we want to talk about the very first one. And I love this one. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. This is why... This is why I work outside of the church, by the way. This was the main reason why. I did not take it for a paycheck. The paycheck is nice, right? Um, someone would say, hey, would you work for Pepsi if, they le- if you volunteered for it? No way. No way. No way, Jose. I would not. It's nice that they pay me. But the main reason why is because I wanted to make an impact out in the community. I wanted to add value into people's lives. 
And, and so this is huge because we need to look at every situation, every person with this mindset that every time I have a chance to talk with them or interact with them, that I can bring value into their lives. I can bring an encouragement their way. I can bring light in their dark world. That's the goal, I believe, that all of us should have, that when you go into someone's life, you actually bring value into them and not you're not one of those people that they go, they try to avoid, okay? But when they see you, they go, I want to be with that person because they bring light. They bring life. They bring encouragement. They bring value. That is how we need to see everyone around us. But, you know, I have a suspicion that each one of us, because you're human like I am, that oftentimes we don't do that for everybody. We pick and choose who we want to add value to, the people it's easy to, or those we already know. We see each other, we're like, hey, how you doing? But you see someone that you, it's harder to love, it's harder to respond to them, it's harder to be with them. It's easy to go, oh, I don't think so. Lord, I know you're calling me to that. How about I substitute that person for that person over here? That's easier. How about I make a phone call, right? How about I text? How about I just drive home and ignore it all the way? But see, this is what God is asking us to do. Because every interaction is an opportunity to bless to encourage, to be generous to them, to add value to them, to bring the light of God into their dark world. I, I want to be like this huge uh, light that's shining, and people are just, they're wandering in the dark, and they don't know what's going on. They just can't stand this world. They can't stand this life. And the moment that you show up, you're like, like whoa, you actually bring value. Now, I'll give you an example. Like, I don't know, it's been a while, but I was going to get a coffee at a coffee stand. This is years ago, but this doesn't happen every single time. But eh, it's kind of rough day. I'm like, I need, I don't always go to the coffee stand. They're pretty expensive. I can make coffee cheaper than that. But I go up to them and I said, can I have a uh, whatever, mocha? And they said, well, that person in front of you just paid for it. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. I should have ordered like five things. No, I but I said, no, but that little act of encouragement just really built my, I don't know who it was. I have no idea. It doesn't really matter. But I'm like, that little, that little stupid little interaction of, of someone actually cared enough. They saw me in my car and they said, he needs to have a coffee. I could have afforded it, but it was nice that someone did that. And uh, it, it, it brought me just that little, little gift lifted my spirits up. Now, what would happen if, Maybe not that specific thing, but you actually look for opportunities to encourage someone so that they leave that place. Maybe their situation isn't changed, but their outlook is different. Man, would our world change if everybody did that? See, I will never, ever, ever add value to people on accident. I have to, I have to be on the lookout. I have to, when I wake up and go get dressed in my Pepsi gear, and I go to the grocery store, I have to purposely go, you know what, I'm not here for Pepsi. I'm not here, if anyone, if any of my bosses are watching, I'm not here for Pepsi. I'm not here for a 12-pack. I'm not here to fill the 20-ounce perfectly. Okay, I want to do those things, but that's not why I'm there. I am there to bring the light of God into a dark situation. That's why I'm there. And do I always look have that outlook? No. <laughs> Some days I'm like, oh, is it Friday yet? Like, I'm already asking that right now. It's Sunday, right? Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I, I, this is, I love this. I, I love this. I love this 
but it's very direct. Paul's very direct. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is what helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Every time you open up your mouth, every time I open up my mouth, I better be every single time only what is helpful for building others up, edifying them, making their life even better than it was. Okay? It may benefit those who listen. Do, do I benefit people around me when they see me and hear me and even just see a smile on my face? That, is there, are they going home going, wow, I feel a little bit better? Because here's the thing, you're like, this is really, this sermon's really artsy-fartsy kind of thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, what it is, is you carry the Holy Spirit in you. And that is God, the Spirit that lives within you. And, and he, he's, a, he's a bright God. He, he lightens things up. He really does. Okay? If I'm having a rough day, I just put in my imagination because it's the spirit's there, but that the Lord is right here and he's there encouraging me because that's what he does. But in my mind, I have to see it. I have to see Jesus in my mind. He's the one that's sitting with me and he's just giving me, he's putting his arm around me because that's what he's really doing. But we need to be that way just like Jesus is to us. We need to be that way with other people. And so I hope when I enter a room, the climate of the room improves because we're called to be an encourager. We're called to be an uplifter. We're called to be a blessing. We're called to speak the truth, but in love. We're not just called. I'm just, God has called me to speak the truth in people's lives. Really, you're, gonna, you're, t- you're speaking the truth and you're tearing them down. No, 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 no. We speak the truth in love, always. If, I'm not, if I can't do it lovingly, I'm not going to speak the truth to them. I'm just going to not say anything at all because it's not helpful. Whatever is helpful, whatever will benefit the, those who will listen, that... I add value to people's lives. That's actually faithfulness to God, the Bible says. Jesus says that. See, now the other day I was thinking, how did Jesus, how did he treat people? And how did he interact with people? Do do you realize that when he talked about religious, talked to religious people with the spirit of religion, he had nothing good to say about them? Those Pharisees? Ever. These are the people that knew the Bible. These are the professional Christians. They weren't Christian back then, but you know what I mean. They were professional believers in God. They knew the Bible, but Jesus said, "You whitewashed tomb. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside." But when he talked to, think about how he talked to sinners. Think about how he talked to outsiders. Think about how he, ordinary people. I thought about a few instances, like when his disciples were worried. Have you ever been worried? Ah, what did Jesus say? Man, you guys are a bunch of bozos. Now, there are times when Jesus is like, how long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> right? But when there's a specific instance where they were worried about everything, how, what were we going to eat? What were we going to drink? What, how am I going to, what clothing am I going to wear? Now, I grew up in a middle-class family, and so I never had to worry about it. Magically, dinner was at 5 o'clock every single time. It just showed up. My mom did it, but you know what I mean. Like, I mean, my dad, if he's in charge, because you're going to have a bowl of cereal, which I loved. But anyway, we won't get into that. But, um, but when, when they were actually scared and actually worried, Jesus did not say, you should worry. This whole world's going to hell. No, he said, he goes, come here, come here, come here, come here. He says, don't worry. 
God will take care of you. Look at the birds of the air. Remember that? He, he takes care of the birds of the air and they don't even do anything. Right? They just, they just, they just like fly. Like I want that to be my life. And they take, God takes care of them. So he says, seek first my kingdom and all those things will be added to your life. Like, stop focusing on the wrong thing and focus on the right thing. And Jesus was very encouraging. He, I even wrote this down, like, in the bottom of, I was practicing yesterday. I said, Jesus is an expert encourager. I need to work on it. Because if I want to be encouraged, Jesus is there. If I, want, if I need to be challenged, by the way, Jesus will challenge me. I'm not saying he's, he's turning a blind eye to everything. Okay? Then I thought about the instance where the woman was caught in the act of adultery. Have you ever thought about that story? When they caught them in the act of adultery, they're looking through the windows. They're kicking the door open because the husband has a few questions. And they say, well, Jesus, what do you want us to do? You want us, we, should, we could stone her right now, can't we? Jesus says, okay, you, those without the sin cast the first stone. And he goes and writes on the, he plays tic-tac-toe in the dirt, right? I don't know what he's doing. Everybody has a theory, but I don't because we don't know. And when he looks up, they're all gone. He goes up to this woman in love and going, where's everybody? Where's your accusers? They're gone. He goes, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, be free. He's not, he's not saying that what you did is just awesome. Go do it again. See that guy? I don't know where the, the dude is. He's probably run away. Naked, if you want my opinion. Okay? But Jesus... He says in love, no, 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 be righteous and be free. Live for me and let your past be the past. And like literally the past is like five seconds before that. So every interaction is it, for, is it actually an opportunity to benefit the people around me. And I want you to keep me accountable. Some of us work at this grocery store with me. I want you to keep me accountable I, when, I'm in, when I'm in the store, when I'm working with you guys, I want to be a light to people's lives. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want people to go, here comes that Joel. He's a joy sucker. When I'm around Joel, we just feel miserable. Now, I want the light of God to shine through me into people's lives. That's my goal. Okay, that, you, you never know one word of encouragement will change people's lives. I've seen it. Where for some reason I had this very specific thing to say to someone. And I actually, I'm not always obedient, but I'll go, okay, I will. And I say something to them, and it's just like Niagara Falls crying because they go, oh, man, how did you know? I have no idea. Wow. And then there's times when I feel like the Lord is saying something, and I say, the Lord is saying, blah, blah, blah. Is that true? And they go, nope. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, God bless you, and I'll go on my way. Okay. Sometimes that's true, too. But there are times when people are like, wow. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So we need to listen to that. That's faithfulness to God. Number two, every resource and opportunity to multiply. Last week we talked about generosity, so we're not going to really focus on this this out, uh, uh, for a long time. But um, in Matthew chapter 25, if you want to turn there for a couple verses, Jesus told a parable of a guy who went on a journey. And he's going, he's going to be gone for a while, and he's entrusting three people with his riches how many of you wanted to be entrusted with some people's riches? Like, do whatever you need to do with it. Give me a few million dollars. And for one guy, he gives five bags of gold. Like, he really trusts this guy. 
The second guy, he gives him two bags of gold. The third guy, he gives him one bag of gold. Two of them, the guy with the five bags of gold, the guy with the two bags of gold, they put that money to work. They invest it in the kingdom. They do what God has called them to, be, uh, to do. And then look at what happens in the story. Um, what did the, the master comes back. And, okay, this, I'm going I'm to give you the cheat, the, the cliff notes version of the Bible here for a moment. The master here represents who? God. Okay? It represents God. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Here is, come and share your master's happiness. Let me say, this is representing the kingdom of God. This is, this is representing like what happens when we're actually putting our time and our resources and we're putting it to work in the kingdom of God. What's God going to say to you? Wow. Well done, good and faithful servant. And call me crazy, but when I, and in front of God's judgment, I don't want to hear him go, depart from me, I never knew you. How many of us want to hear that? Because by the way, it, it, Jesus is tough on this because he says there are going to be some of us that will say, that some people that will go, but didn't I do this for you? Didn't I do this? And he still, because it's not about the things that we do. It's not about the world's success. It's not about influence. It's about faithfulness, good and faithful servant. Then the third guy, he has one bag of gold. He could invest it in the kingdom of God. In other words, he could live for God. He doesn't need to be about himself, but he's actually so scared of it that he he holds on to this gold himself. You you can't, don't grab this gold. This is mine. And he buries it because he's afraid. And what is the master's, now verse 25 and 26. Now, before I read this, remember, Pastor Joel's not saying this. Jesus said it. Okay, sometimes Jesus said things that are very harsh, right? Okay, he is... God is very loving, and he's very gracious, and he's very kind, but he's also a judge. Now, if you're in Christ, and you're truly in Christ, you are in Christ. You're forgiven, right? You don't have to worry about that part. You can go into God's throne room with boldness. But that guy who lived for himself, what happened? It says, so he goes, I was afraid. I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. In other words, I did not invest in the kingdom of God. He says, see, here it belongs to you. And his master, God, replied, you, what's the word? Wicked. You wicked, lazy servant. Now, side note. How many of us, when you get to heaven, you want God to say that to you? I think... No, I know if I were to hear that, I, I know I'd cry like a baby. It's not everywhere because I know what that means. That I was all about myself. Now listen, salvation is free, right? You don't have to earn it. The, per, the, the thief on the cross did nothing for Jesus and he's in heaven to this day. One of them, I can't remember that one or... So one of them is in heaven. He didn't do anything, nothing. The only thing that he did was realize that I can't be saved by myself. But unfortunately, he didn't have an opportunity to live for God after that. But see, we have time. So what are we going to make our lives about? Salvation is free, but it costs us everything. It costs us, what does, it mean? What does that mean? It, it means that we can't live our lives just for ourselves. 
We have to live our lives to honor God. And it's not easy, but is it worth it? Yeah. So that's what this whole thing's about. Not just money, your very lives. Are you investing in the kingdom? Now, going back to the last point about encouraging one another, I believe that when I'm encouraging someone, I am investing in the kingdom of God. I really do. As much as if tithing or giving to missions or helping someone financially, that's part of it. But a bigger part of it is I want to invest in the kingdom every way I can. With my time, with my talent, with my treasure. I want that. And that's what God's calling us to do. And that is faithfulness. God calls us to be faithful with the relationships around us. I want to be an encourager and being faithful as a steward of the resources that God has given me. What has he given me? Maybe he's given me one bag of gold and not five bags of gold. Maybe he's given you a little bit of talent. Maybe he's given you a little bit of time. What are you going to do? I want to invest that in the kingdom of God. Now the last one for today. This is important here too. Every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. If you're, listen, this is a huge, this is a huge statement I'm going to make. And Christians get made fun of it all the time. We believe that God still speaks. Don't get, don't get too quiet on me. Okay. I heard, um, like a few years ago, I heard a, uh, an, like a thing on YouTube, it was Vice President Mike Pence was talking with someone. He's talking about, God speaks to me all the time. And they were, the people were interviewing him were like, you're crazy. Like, you, you know, there's, that's, that's, that's called, a, that's something wrong with the mind. But I want to say something right now because this is very important. Because when God speaks to you, he's doing it for a very specific purpose. When he's prompting you, when he's pushing you a specific direction, there's a reason why. Okay, and I can't tell you that how many times over the last 20 some odd years of being in ministry where God has, I mean, it's a, it's a, it could be a daily thing. Do I obey it every time? No. But I should because every time that I, 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 I feel something in my spirit, like I've got to encourage such and such person. Most of the time, not all the time, most of the time they're like, I needed that. Again, sometimes they're like, what are you talking about? Like, what? So it's not even, I'm, I'm just, I want to be faithful. I don't care. I, I mean, it's not even really about the results. The results are God's thing. My thing, be faithful to God. Every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. I love Acts 20, verse 22. One more verse and we'll be done. Paul has been in Ephesus for a couple years and he loves it. You know, you're in the right place and, and all of a sudden, you get this stirring in your spirit. Like, some, people call it itchy feet. I don't know about that. But look at this. Look at Acts 20, verse 22. Paul, he says this. And now, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's having a tearful goodbye. And now, compelled by the Spirit, drawn, pulled. The, the word compelled is literally like the gravity pulling you. You can't help it. It's pulling you. You have to. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Everywhere he went, he thought he was going to die. Now, he went to Rome and died. And you can read that in First and Second Timothy. That was the letters right before he died. Second Timothy. But this one, he goes, guys, 
I love being here, but I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, even though I don't know what's going to happen to me. Now, some of us are being compelled to stay right where you are. I've said that for 20 years. I moved here 20 years ago. In, well, I'm kind of cheating. What, in May? No. Yeah, May 20, it was my dad's birthday, May 27th. Um, I moved to the day of his, uh, in 2003. So 20 years, let's cheat a little bit. 20 years ago, I, more than, 20, about 20 years ago, I felt, you know, the Lord was pulling me to Kamei for a specific reason. There was a, long story short, I moved here. And from that moment till now, I felt the compulsion to stay. And there's reason why. And so what is God saying to you? It is an opportunity to do what God's calling you to do the rest of your life. You know, I don't know the results, but I'm going to be faithful. And as we close, there's, this is the last thing right here. Is, is obedience is our responsibility, but the outcome is God's responsibility. In your life, success is not what you think it is. Your life is not what you think it is. Your life is for God. It's about God. And I so desperately want that for each one of us. Let's go out in this, this world this week and let's, let's be used by God because he wants to use you. Even if, especially if you think that you're not good enough or not called, you're not talented enough, he will call you. He is calling you. And you don't think you're talented or gifted enough? Welcome to the club, right? Welcome to the club. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for each one here. God, help us to serve you with everything. Help, help us to love people and be a light to the dark world. Help us to be faithful in our, and steward our, the resources you give us and help us to be obedient to your call. And I thank you for each one here. I pray for blessing as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you.